1: Reckless speculation. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand.
0: Now launching. Sequence start. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Toothpick's going to stop the play. Penguins
1: to Here's Russ for the score set up by Kessel. Brian rush just red hot, quick touch in the net, right in front, we're tied at one. Eric Stahl doing a good job to play at the center, but the Penguins force it back in. The race on for the puck, Pattern gave it away from behind, and the Penguins set it up for Russ, he shoots and scores, Brian Russ finishes, and the Penguins have a 2-1 to lead. How much fried chicken can you eat?
2: Yeah, we gave him two goals. I mean. You can't give the Pittsburgh Penguins two goals and expect to win, no matter what you do.
1: And a two-on-one now for Minnesota. Zucker with Granlund. Jason Zucker, dagger, pass across, and it stays out somehow. Granlund had the chance. Shot by Stahl, stopped by DeSmith. Granlund could not get the pass out of his feet to put it in a wide open net.
2: It's hard to believe the open nets and the chances that we're getting and we're not scoring. I mean, it's... uh, uh, I think you talk to the players, who are probably just as frustrated as as I am, but I mean, you know, and what it could have been, but those are plays we've got to bury, we've got to bury those things. A couple of our guys that are supposed to be our scorers have pucks right on their stick and don't put it in, it's it's frustrating. Well, he played good, I'm not taking anything away from him, but when he's not in the net and we've got the puck, (laughs) it's us.
1: Eric Stahl doing a good job to play at the center, but the Penguins force it back in. The race on for the puck. Pattern gave it away from behind, and that Penguins set it up for Lutz. He shoots and scores! Brian Lutz finishes, and the Penguins have a 2-1 lead. How much fried chicken can you eat?
3: All right, so last night after that uh, game, the Wilds 2-1 loss to the Penguins got done. I got a new nickname from our guy Roy C. on Twitter. not sure if you guys saw it. I am now known as the Captain Dynamite of Minnesota sports because of my desire to blow things up. But here's my question to you guys. Am I or is that so wrong? Listen, I'm going to give you examples here. I called for the Gopher defensive coordinator. As you guys recall, on this very show, Rob Smith to be fired. And when he was, he was replaced by smiling Joe Rossi. And what happened? The defense got better. A few weeks ago, I called for John D. Filippo, the Vikings' offensive coordinator, to be fired. And when he was replaced by Kevin Stefanski, what happened last Sunday against the Dolphins? The offense scored 40 plus points and was markedly better. And now, now it's on to my poor hockey team that I
2: watch on a regular basis. It's hard to believe the open nets and the chances that we're getting it we're not scoring. I mean, it's a. Uh, uh, I think you talk to the players who are probably just as frustrated as as I am, but I mean, you know, and what it could have been, but you know, those are plays we've got to bury. We've got to bury those things.
3: And now it's very simple to me. The Wild is lost. I come with evidence. Ten of its past 15 games, and thus it is time to formulate a plan, a Christmas time plan to do this. To the roster. Matthew Dumba, one of your best defensemen, and certainly your biggest threat offensively, because he's very good. He had um, 12 goals, if I'm not mistaken, from the blue line, is now going to have some type of surgery, as we describe it as upper body, and is going to miss significant time. Manny Hill, it's time to, and I brought this up a couple days ago, and I think people thought, oh, typical Judd Panic, but by the way, I'm now Captain Dynamite of Minnesota Sports, according to Royce. Panic is out. It is time to consider all options regarding the future of this franchise. Yes, you might be only three points back of a playoff spot, but it's time for Paul Fenton and crew to bail out, to start to shop players, any and all, and that includes Devin Doom, Nick, and Eric Stahl, The trade deadline comes up in late February, but we are seeing a team that I think we can be very comfortable now watching them be disassembled and blown up
0: as the winter progresses. I don't think it's asking too much. Well, because they're just not going anywhere right now, Judd. That's the problem. We talked about it the other day. They're just... They are stuck in mediocrity right now. They are in some ways they're kind of like what the wolves were in the Kevin Garnett era when they were they were going to the playoffs every year but you knew they were going to get bounced out in the first round and it wasn't until you know they went and got the spreewell Cassell combination and then they were able to advance and everything but the wild are not in a position to to make a move like that that's going to move the needle and get them to to go on a run for for the Stanley Cup Finals so at this point it's just They're stuck in mediocrity. They're not going anywhere, so it's it's time to, to hit the reset button and blow this thing up. And man.
3: what and what we're seeing now in the past, um, really, 15 to 20 games is them. This is them. They, they will probably go on some type of run. If you allow this franchise to play, if you allow this current roster to play out the rest of the season, there's a good chance that they would go on some nice run and people would say to themselves, oh, they're not dead yet. And they might even get themselves back into a playoff spot. But that's fool's gold. That's they'd, absolute, be, they'd be yeah, ab- an 8-seed. And yeah.
0: They'd be one of the wild card teams. It's and, yeah.
3: absolute fool's gold. The most important thing when you watch this team on on a consistent basis is to realize this team's style of play, this team's abilities, um, even when they're going well, does not translate to springtime hockey, which is playoff hockey. Watch the calgarys Watch the San Jose's. Watch the most successful teams now. And where things have changed is, a few years back, I think the goal was to get big and strong and in the playoffs control things. Well, Calgary, the Sharks, teams, the Jets, teams like that, the Predators now, they're not only big and strong, but they're, fast. but they're also very, very fast. You don't have yeah. any of that. You don't have any of that. And so it is time, especially if Dumba's going to be out for several months, which sounds as if it's the case, and you're going to be without one of your top defensemen for an extended period, if not the rest of the season, it is time to do something. And I want to I'll transition from there to this Dumba thing. This drives me crazy, all right? All right. So Matthew Dumba gets hurt. We believe it was in the fight last uh, Saturday, a week ago, against Calgary. 40 seconds into that game, Matthew Kachuk trying to exact revenge on Dumba for Dumba's hit in Calgary a week before that. Challenges Dumba. They get into a fight. Dumba apparently suffers an upper body injury. Now, I'm going to read this Michael Russo story in The Athletic. And obviously, Michael does a great job covering the Wild for the team. I'm going to read you a couple paragraphs from his story. And I'm going to tell you why. And once again, this is something, as much as I love the sport, that's just unbelievably stupid. Wild GM Paul Fenton will not confirm Dumba's exact injury. And, and The Athletic, even though multiple sources have disclosed the injury to the uh, publication, has decided to respect Fenton's wish and not identify said injury. Quote from Fenton, I'd really like to protect the player. It's just my belief that we protect the player first, that we protect the organization. There's a lot of times that I watch the wire and they give a specific injury. It scares me when they're playing against opponents that might have a, a mean tendency, and I'm reading that right, opponents that might have a mean tendency to them It's just the nature of our game. I'd rather err on the precautionary that it's upper or lower body. And they're saying upper right now. And I can almost guarantee you I would stake my life. I would stake my house. I would stake my wife's life. I would stake my dog's life on the fact that he has a shoulder injury of some sort. But, all right, I just read you that quote. And if it was the playoffs and Matthew Dumba was going to try and come back, let's say, tomorrow night and play, I might say to myself... I I don't necessarily like this, but I get the protection angle here. Matthew Dumba's going to try and play, and if they know exactly what's wrong, and you can you can get through the mental gymnastics of saying you're trying to protect him. Matt Dumba is going to miss months here. Mm. He is going to miss perhaps the rest of the season, and you're worried if you're the Wild and Paul Fenton that somebody might find out what's wrong. So they're going to try and go after the injury that's going to be surgically repaired when he gets back in the earliest, probably in four months. Think about how stupid this is. The NFL forces teams to release injury reports, right? Mm -hmm. They do it to keep a competitive level playing field, essentially because of gambling. But a National Hockey League team has the right. This guy's going to have surgery. It doesn't matter at this point. Right. It doesn't. If you are a serious league, if you're going to be taken seriously, the National Hockey League, you're one of, they'd like to think, right or wrong, and I don't know the answer to this. They want to think that they're one of the four major sports. Yet they currently are trying to tell you that they're going to, that a guy who almost certainly is going to have a shoulder procedure done and miss months on end, that they don't want to tell you that. Because, and here's my favorite part. And I've talked about this before, but the stupidity of this is so high and it's so embarrassingly stupid of my league. And it's anybody that participates in this doesn't get it. All right. So here's what they're telling you. They're telling you that when Matthew Dumba gets back, after, by the way, his arm is going to be in a sling probably for several months, they are trying to convince you That nobody who plays against the Wild, in a league, by the way, where you've got a ton of guys who are opponents now who are teammates in juniors and colleges, they're trying to tell you that nobody's going to have found out what's wrong with Dumba. You're hiding it from the public. Now, if I could go, if I didn't like Dumba, and I'm in the public... And I knew he had a shoulder problem, and I was going to go pummel him on purpose. I could see hiding that from Judd Zolgad. Mm-hmm. But Judd Zolgad doesn't play in the National Hockey League, and I guarantee you anybody that does, if they want to know what's wrong with Matt Dumba, can find out in a matter of seconds. I've always said this from a gambling aspect. This is this is egregious. It shouldn't be allowed. You should have to fess up what's wrong with players. You should have to issue an injury report. Right. But this notion... This notion that Matt Dumba is going to be protected so when he comes back, probably in training camp of next year, that no one's gonna have figured out what's wrong. (laughs) Think about how stupid it is, Manny. Jonathan, am I right? This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard.
0: And I used to get annoyed. I used to get annoyed when, you know, you'd ask coaches, you know, what's going on with a player, you know, hockey coaches specifically, and you know, you'd get Responses like this, like what we got from Mike Yo many years ago. Lower body, yeah, you know, lower body.
3: Okay, but this used to be, <laughs> but this used to be a playoff thing, right? And if a guy tried to come back in the playoffs, it annoyed me. If I'm the league, I wouldn't allow it. But, okay, the but guy's trying to come back, and the guy's trying, but somewhere along the line, and I think it was Detroit GM Ken Holland got this changed to a regular season, we're not going to tell. But the, Paul Fenton is telling you with a straight face, because he's not a BSer, like he's not a he's not a fun guy, he's a a hockey lifer. Someone Somewhere along the line, somebody taught him that not telling us on near Christmas, December 2018, is going to protect Dumba when he comes back probably...
0: Next, next year? Summer.
3: Yes. <laughs> think about how stupid that is. I know. Clean, clean it up. This isn't hard. This isn't difficult. It's embarrassing. He's got a shoulder injury. Come out and say it. Scream it from the mountaintops. You think anyone's really going
1: to give a damn? Lower body.
3: <sighs> Doogie with the scoop is next. Mackie joins it for
1: Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN.
2: Becky and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On
0: 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here very quickly. Just one crash to tell you about right now in the Metro. And uh, that's on 35 East Southbound uh, between Randolph Avenue and uh, West 7th Street near the Lilydale area. Just, uh, just above the river there. So be on the lookout for that. It's causing about a four-minute delay. So uh, be careful out there.
3: With Doogie, and although it's almost Christmas, that's uh, the Twins polka we're going to win is very appropriate, Darren, because you have been inciting on uh, Twins information for the past two days or so. First of all, Happy Holidays! Happy Welcome holidays, to the show. Good. Hello, Manny. Um, Hi, Doogie. But let's start there. What are the Twins? Because it does look as guys are starting to sign now, and, and the market—I wouldn't say—I wouldn't say it's bustling, but there's certainly deals and being made, and guys starting to sign. Where do things stand with the Twins as we have this discussion a couple days before Christmas?
4: Well, let's look at some of the guys that recently signed. Trevor Cahill to the Angels. What, one year? About $9.5 million? The Twins briefly kicked the tires on Cahill. You can make a case that Cahill absolutely could help them. He could slot in. He would be one of their top five rotation guys. But the Twins' interest was incredibly minimal. Joaquin Soria, two years. $15.5 million to the Oakland A's. Mm -hmm. Reasonable deal, right? Well, the Twins did talk to Soria's agent, but they solely talked to him about a one-year deal. Once talks got to two, the Twins had zero interest. You look at Charlie Morton to the Tampa Bay Rays, two years, $30 million. Pretty reasonable for a good starting pitcher, right? The Twins' interest was minimal. Now, Rocco Baldelli did reach out to Morton, but I'm led to believe by somebody close to Morton... That they never felt like the Twins had serious interest. Now, my good buddy, heck, he was an usher at my wedding, Lavelle Neal, continues to say that he believes the Twins were heavily involved on Morton. I'm just telling you, from my sourcing, I don't think that's correct. I don't. And I love Lavelle. He's like a brother, but I just think he's wrong on that one. Mm -hmm. He also said that the Twins were in on Kelvin Herrera, a reliever who makes a ton of sense. He's still out there. Makes a ton of sense as of now. Now, this could change, but as of now, the Twins haven't even made a phone call An inquiry on Herrera.
0: So, what are they doing?
4: Well, I mean, they're looking for a Batman. I mean, they're still very much in on Nelson Cruz. Cruz is holding out for two years. If you're the twins, are you willing to do two years somewhere in the vicinity of 22 to 28 million? Would you do that for Nelson Cruz?
3: Would anybody do that for Nelson Cruz? What do you think is the plan then? Because I I go back to and continually do, go back to what uh, Patrick said maybe a month ago now, that he was told by somebody they're just not going to spend that much, that the desire, and this is not a poll ad thing, this is not a poll ad directive, that Falvey and Levine are basically very comfortable slashing payroll for 2019. And I don't know if that's because they're curious to see what they've got in Buxton and Snow before trying to get more aggressive and sign guys. But as of now, it looks like what Patrick heard might be absolutely correct.
4: I think that absolutely could be correct. Now, I will be surprised if they don't ultimately sign some reliever, probably to a one-year deal. I mean, a lot of free agents will still be out there. Sure, you know, late January, February. I mean, think about last year: Logan Morrison, Lance Lynn. But that's like
3: wave three, right?
4: Late, yeah, exactly. I think Patrick is probably spot on, though. That 2019 will very much be an evaluation year. I mean, when you size up their roster, yes, can they compete? In the worst division in baseball, they can. And who knows? Maybe the Indians end up dealing Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer. Right now, there's really no steam on that. But they lose Andrew Miller to the Cardinals. The Twins were never in on Miller, by the way. That was another name, sort of loosely and tied be to the Twins. About him, they were right? never in on him. Sure, yeah. He I mean, looked like he was injury, breaking down last season. Yeah. Now he did a conference call with Cardinals reporters earlier today, suggesting no surprise that he is doing well. It looks like Cody Allen will end up signing elsewhere. The Twins have kicked the tires. On Allen, but checking with a source close to Allen earlier today, prepping for this very segment, I am told Twins' interest right now is pretty darn minimal. The Indians lose Michael Brantley. They lose Josh Donaldson. So on paper, the Indians take a massive step backwards. Right. The Royals are rebuilding. Now, do the White Sox end up with Bryce Harper or Manny Machado? I guess there's a chance. But it looks like the White Sox are still in rebuild mode. The Tigers clearly are still... Rebuilding. So the division stinks. So, can the Twins compete
0: I was in the Central? Say, yes. I was just going to say, does does anybody want to win this division right now?
4: <laughs> exactly. But when you size them up yeah. against the class of the league, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Astros, well, they're, no,
3: Yeah, they're not even close yeah, from, no shot. They
4: are not in the same vicinity. No shot. So, I don't necessarily mind the strategy of the front office saying, you know what? Let's see who we have in Byron Buxton this year. Is he the player that won a platinum gold glove two years ago? I mean, let's not forget, at 23 years old, Byron Buxton earned MVP votes. Then he fought a bunch of injuries last year. So can he stay healthy? Who do we have in Byron Buxton? Who do we have in Miguel Sano? Who do we have in Jorge Polanco Those are your most important for
3: 155 questions. games? Yes. What? Okay, so so from, instead of the baseball end, from the business end of the Twins, Oof. what do people tell you? Because that's got to be the one concern. Because And, and as as a baseball fan... And especially with the way teams are going now, the strategy, I might not love it, but I sort of get it. But that's a very long leap away from the business department, which is which in an extremely competitive market, which you've got the Vikings and you've got the wild and you've got the wolves and Division one basketball foot, and soccer now. What's the thought process from the business end of how the hell are we going to sell season tickets or tickets at all?
4: Well, I mean, it's still the best outdoor bar in Minnesota. It is, but but
3: season ticket-wise, that's not
4: going to help too much. I mean, they've lost some folks. I guess the comeback, though, is, I mean, outside of signing Bryce Harper or Manny Machado... I think people were gonna bail, right? Yeah, it's, the, but it's I mean, the, you can only
3: take so many losses. I mean, since 2011, perce- no it, team has more losses than the Twins. Sure, but it's the perception. If you go out and sign, and and I'm not even advocating for this, but the perception if you go out and sign a few guys here and there, beyond say the uh, Scopes and Crones, that guys that fans might say, oh, they they you know they went out and got they're some doing pitching, things. but they're just doing almost nothing now. Yeah, well, and from I a mean, business standpoint, yeah. I'm curious how that's
4: being processed. At well, Co. it's. Definitely raising some eyebrows. I mean, a good friend of mine is, is a head honcho on the ticket side, and I just know that there's some concern. There's clearly some concern. <laughs> Not a great Christmas for him. No, but, you know, let's see what happens on Nelson Cruz. I mean, they're still very much in. Mm-hmm. Again, prepping for this very segment, I can tell you that somebody close to Cruz leads me to believe that the Twins are still very much alive in the Nelson Cruz sweepstake. So maybe they end up with Nelson Cruz. Maybe they end up with a decent reliever. You know, somebody like Adam Warren, not a household name, but maybe they end up signing a couple more guys, maybe even three more guys. But that's my point. I mean, outside of signing the big name guys, now maybe Cruz has some name appeal, some sex appeal. But really, I mean, any reliever they sign, even if they signed Zach Britton, let's say they gave Zach Britton three years, 50 million. Would that really excite a lot of people? The bloggers, the hardcore, yes. The casual fans, they don't know who Zach Britton is. You know, so I don't think signing any reliever really moves the needle all that much. I really don't.
3: How much does the uh, Wolves meltdown against the Pistons, in which they blew a 14-point lead a couple nights ago at home, um, hurt Tibbs' cause? Because that was ugly.
4: Well, I don't know if that one singular game necessarily hurts his cause, but I told you, mid-January is when those season ticket renewal forms go out, and there's a lot of nervous people over there wondering, as long as Tibbs is in charge... Will people renew for the 2019 2020 season? So I still think, you know, his future is still very much up in the air. Now, do I foresee a move in season? I still don't. I don't either. I now. think April is probably more likely. But yes. if I were a betting man, one year from now, is Tom Thibodeau coaching this team? I would lean no. It, it would
0: have to. It would have to really come off the rails for anything in season to happen, right? Like. It would have yeah. to be like an 11, 12, 13 game losing streak or something.
4: I mean, like I think that. so. Now, is it seven of the next nine on the road,
0: man? Yeah, I think so.
4: And they're 0 and 11 on the road against the Western Conference. So let's say they lose tonight. They've won two, right? Period. Yeah, they, they won where at, at Brooklyn and at Cleveland. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so they've not
0: beaten a Western Conference team on yeah, the road. Yeah.
4: So, okay, let's season. say they lose tonight. Now, tonight's a toss up. They could win tonight. Heck, I think they're a better team without Jeff Teague. And now Jeff Teague is out seven to 10 days. Yes. Seven to 10 more days. With the ankle injury. So tonight's a toss-up game. But let's say they lose tonight. They lose in a couple days to Oklahoma City on the road. Okay, so then you're 0-13 on the road against the West. Then you have a road game coming up against Chicago. Okay, the Lowly Bulls. Zach Levine out with an injury. I believe Bobby Portis re-injured himself.
0: So he is out. I oh, mean, the you Bulls can beat the Bulls. That's are a in pretty, disarray. That's a pretty toxic locker room right now. Yeah. Too. Oh,
4: so, yeah. I mean, I guess if you lose to Chicago, then maybe you lose a few more road games. Yeah. Maybe. Is it starts gonna, to get interesting. Is, I'll also say this much, though. They don't have an interim head coach on staff. On the bench, yeah. Yeah, and I'm telling you, I love Ryan Saunders. I think one day, it might be seven years from now, but Ryan Saunders, I think, has head coaching chops. Eventually, mm-hmm. I've not been told by anybody that has worked closely with Ryan the last few years that Ryan today is ready to be a head coach. And I just, I don't believe anybody, I don't believe one Wolves fan would say Ryan Saunders is ready to be an interim head
3: coach or a head coach, if his name was Ryan Johnson, and you don't, and there's absolutely no reason to give him that job now and and basically set him up to fail. That makes no sense. Who, I would agree. Uh, is, yeah. is Jeff T going to be traded at some point? Here? Well, I mean, there's nothing going on right now. He's got to get healthy, right? But I'm just, but the point, the your point is a good one, which is you can make a serious case that this team is better without him. And if he could get you something back, it might make sense. Sure, but
4: he's got that $19 million player, player option, option.
3: Yep. just dangling for next but, year. and no no one one, you're the Phoenix Suns,
4: do you want to roll those dice? That's what I was
3: going to ask you. And no, no one will take him because
4: of that? Miami. Now, Miami doesn't have cap space anyway. Miami's down Goran Dragic yep. for the next couple months. But Tyler Johnson, I was watching last night's game on TNT. Tyler Johnson looked good. You know, you can roll with him if you're Miami. Do you really want to roll the dice on Jeff Teague? opting into that $19 million for next year. So that's a slippery slope for teams. So I've yet to hear. I'm not dismissing the possibility, but I'm just saying right now, now things could change as we get closer to the deadline on February 7th. But right now, there is no Jeff Teague trades team. Uh, Vikings. You know what? Not a whole lot. I mean, I can tell you, I need to correct myself on something I suggested a few weeks ago on Sheldon Richards. And now I'm convinced internally, yeah. they've come to the conclusion That they'd like to keep him long term. He's an unrestricted free agent in March. You know, when you compare him to, let's say, Anthony Barr, I think most league folks would tell you it's harder to find a really good three technique defensive tackle. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll come down to money. But but I've heard internally that they'd really like to keep Sheldon Richardson. I also suggested a few weeks ago that there's actually been some external dialogue. It turns out there hasn't been. The Vikings have not talked to Ben Dogra. In oh, about season here, Richardson? yeah, about okay. an extension. But I'm just saying internally, it makes sense. They'd like to keep Richardson, and if I had to bet, I think you know there's a decent chance that they can find a happy medium.
3: How do you retain cr- Richardson? Lose Bar? That's what I was going to say. So to create that space, do you lose Bar? Redo Griffin's contract potentially?
4: Yeah, well, and, and I mean, by Kyle the- Rudolph has a healthy number next year. Anderson Dayho is an easy cap Trey, casualty.
3: Trey Wayne's has a big hit. Next year, Nearly I think, 10 he, makes, million. I think hmm. he accelerates to nine plus. Uh, that fifth year option is an absolute killer. Now, what's interesting about that is he can be cut as long as he's healthy without penalty. Well, and yeah, he's healthy so, now, but, no, but after I, two concussions yeah. this year. I'm just saying I would not be, I'm not going to be shocked if he gets cut. They develop cornerbacks really well. Holton
0: Hill's been playing really well. Holton
3: Hill's been playing well. The The kid that they drafted, Hughes, in the first round is coming back. There's just there's ways to there's ways to open up space to keep guys and sign guys that could potentially see Wayne's get cut or or they go to Wayne's and say, Let's do a longer term deal, three year deal that gets that cap hit down.
4: Yeah, no, I think you're right. But yeah. ultimately, when you're paying your quarterback as much money as you are. Now it's a move I would have made. I'll keep saying that. It's a move they should have made. I'm glad they made it. But when you're paying a quarterback twenty eight million dollars a year, at some point you're going to lose a good player. So I'm just saying I had to bet. Some team, I mean, so many teams have, what, $90 million in cap space, $100 million in cap space, teams like the Colts, the Raiders. I just think one of those teams is willing to pay Anthony Barr a ton of money, and the Vikings won't be able to match that offer.
3: How good is this Gopher football recruiting class?
4: It's pretty good. Now, the defensive tackle from Memphis just picked up an Oregon offer. Sounds like he's going to take a visit to Tennessee. So the Gophers thought they had this kid, Williams. And now he's reopening things, and we'll see. I mean, he's probably now going to sign. Well, heck, he will. The early signing period is over as of today. So it looks like he'll sign in February. So the Gophers will try to keep him, but now with him sort of reopening things, don't know if they get him. But, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of good players. That defensive tackle they got from the state of Georgia. I mean, at one point an Alabama commit. At another point he was a Georgia commit. I mean, it sounds like he's... He's legit, you know, and you just, you look at the other offers these kids had. I don't care about stars necessarily, mm-hmm. but a lot of these kids had other power five offers. I just think PJ is a pretty good recruiter, especially from what we've seen now. Hey, Jerry Kill and his staff developed guys, right? Eric Murray was a nothing recruit out of Milwaukee years right. ago. Mm-hmm. David Cobb was a nothing recruit. So, I mean, they developed guys. But I just think your chances are better when you're bringing in guys that have multiple Power Five offers. And PJ Fleck and his staff have done a really good job bringing in those guys.
0: How good is uh, John Legend's nephew, Mike Brown, Yeah, Steve you know what? Receiver. Actually, Manny,
4: I don't know a whole lot about him.
0: Yeah, I don't. I just noticed him. I just was, know that he's, he's John, John Legend's, Legend's nephew. nephew. Yeah. yeah, otherwise, I know nothing about him. <laughs> and either. I
3: saw John tweet about him. That's yeah. all I know about the young man. Uh, your best guess on how many players are going to have to sit out the quick lane bowl? for discipline because PJ starts being said between six and eight. Originally PJ got up uh, at his recruiting press conference and said, that's way too high. He said a player or players, do we have an idea of how, how many guys have been suspended? And my other question is this, They do realize then that if a player just doesn't play and let's say he's hurt or something and they don't tell us that, that we're all going to assume he's suspended, right? Well, yes. So they're going to have to really be very, very careful to tell us this guy's hurt, this guy's hurt, this guy's hurt. Correct. If they don't play or else the assumption is going to be he got in trouble. I'll say this. For sure, one defensive starter. I
4: feel like you know a lot about this right Yeah, well. Just the look on your
3: face. (laughs) Let's
4: not forget (laughs) a couple guys went pro. You know, so technically they're not members of the team you're anymore. About the, you're
3: talking about the left tackle who's elected to skip the... Uh...
4: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily focus on him. Okay. But yeah, there's a left tackle and a linebacker. Okay. Okay, so those guys aren't even on the team anymore. Sure. So we're getting into semantics a little bit. You know, also when we're <laughs> got talking all about... I semantics, dukes. Potentially, you know, some walk-ons, some third slash fourth stringers. Yep. You know, would they even travel? I don't know what the but rules not, are. Can you travel your entire roster? Or is it like the regular season where no you're limited idea. No idea. to a certain amount of guys? So that's where you know, we're we're getting into semantics a little bit, but yeah, at least one defensive starter, put it that way. Okay. So, and I'll continue to say, by the way, yep. the narrative should be this is on the U. The U should have released a statement, done something last week. Yes. And you know what? Maybe Rochelle Olson of the Star Tribune still shows up at the news conference the other day. Sure. starts peppering P.J. Fleck with questions. Sure. So I don't know if, if that could have been avoided. But I do know the U had every opportunity to get out in front on this story last week and passed. I was told by a team spokesperson the first time that P.J. Fleck would address these suspensions yep. was at the Signing Day news conference. Because I know a lot of fans are upset. Why did the Signing Day news conference turn into a circus?
3: Yeah, That's I, on the U. I tweeted with them on The TV U messed that up. They yeah. had every
4: opportunity to get out in front on
3: this. And they decided not to. Why don't they give us the names? Like, I completely get you're not going to be like, well, this guy did this and this guy did it. Well, and... I mean, I guess
4: the comeback is there's no obligation. No, I know, but let's but just... But teams oftentimes, I mean, look at over the years, college programs announce all the time. Right. So-and-so. That's my I mean, point. heck, look at the yes. you know the boycott two years ago and the reasons for the boycott and right. the names being announced.
3: Well, and I'm not even asking. I I in no way think that P.J. Fleck is obligated to get up to the podium and give you a play-by-play. But if you give me the four names, okay, I get it. Correct and just say for yeah, for disciplinary reasons. For disciplinary like you're not reasons. there's no program Correct. in the world that's going to go through the entire litany and be like, well, he did this no. and he did this. So I'm not I'm not implying that that should be the case. But you're right. I would have called a separate press conference or a scrum, you know, not not a big press conference, but the beat guys, the TV folks and said, PJ is going to address this now so that the recruiting press conference doesn't become a circus. Correct. Now,
4: he was on I the road a lot of last week, so conference call, whatever. I mean, there were okay. ways to do it. Just Probably wouldn't it. have been in person. Just address it. But just address and it. And say,
3: these guys, these four kids aren't playing and here's why. Agree. And that's it. You're done. And I'll like, tell you this much, saying, too. Nobody's saying that this is some awful, you know, illegal, we have no idea. We Correct. don't know. So I'm I'm giving them a pass. I just don't understand why this school continues to hit its head against a wall when it doesn't need to. It's frustrating to watch.
4: I hear where you're coming from. I'll say this much too. To me, the narrative should be that PJ Fleck is cleaning this program up. Yes. And that's I don't think people realize. And that
3: would have been the perfect thing to be like this is the recruiting period. Yeah. And and to show parents of recruits this guy's very serious about doing exactly what you just said. It would have made perfect sense.
4: Things just they went off the rails a bit the year-plus under Tracy Clays. Uh-huh. You know, Jerry Kill ran an incredibly tight ship. Uh-huh. Let's just think say things got a little loose. You know, Tracy took over, what, those final handful of games in 15, then coached the 16 season. I'm just saying, things got a little out of whack there. And P.J. Fleck has done a good job cleaning things up and good to a him. large extent. And good for him. But most people have no idea on that. And that, to me... That's on the you. The you should find a way to get that message out.
3: Yes, and this would have been a perfect way. Mm-hmm. Perfect way. Thanks, Dukes. All right, happy holidays. See you, boys. All right, that's a Scoop with Doogie. Check out his uh, Scoop podcast as well that you can find, 1500ESPN.com, iTunes, Podcast One, all those good places. Brian Murphy covers the wild for the Pioneer Press. He joins us next. Sit tight. The
1: Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment.
3: Do I have your word on that, sir?
1: Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast
0: off. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 394 eastbound, we've got a crash uh, near Park Place and Highway 100 in Golden Valley. That's uh, causing a couple of extra minutes uh, to your commute if you're at eastbound towards downtown. And uh, Highway 100 northbound, we got a stalled vehicle. Uh, a lane is blocked in St. Louis Park. That's between Excelsior Boulevard and West 36th Street. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And southbound 100, we've got a crash near Edina uh, between 77th Street and Normandale Boulevard. Uh, that 494 area. So uh, be on the lookout for those uh, crashes, folks. Let Jason Zucker dangle
1: pass across, and it stays. Up have had chance. Stop by Stahl. Stop by De Smith. Raylord could not get the pass out of his feet to put it in a wide open net.
2: It's hard to believe the open nets and the chances that we're getting and we're not scoring. I mean, it's uh, uh, i think they, you talk to the players who are probably just as frustrated as, as I am. But I mean, you know, and what it could have been, but we, those are plays we've got to bury. We've got to bury those things.
3: Brian Murphy, Pioneer Press joins us now, covered the Penguins and Wild last night in Pittsburgh. I am advocating that it's time to look long and hard, Brian, at the reset button and uh, if not blowing things up with his team, certainly realizing that at the very best you're going to be a fringe playoff team and it might make a lot more sense to uh, look toward the future than the present if you're Paul Fenton.
1: Well, Paul Fenton has certainly got an eyeful. They had the nice little run there in late October, early November. But really, since then they lost. I think eight of eleven, and you can just see the usual problems surfacing. With plenty of scoring chances. They either make the opposing goaltender look phenomenal, or they can't bury their chances. And that's exactly what Bruce Boudreau said last night. You got to bury those. Mm-hmm. The goal scorers are having plenty of opportunities with the puck on their stick and nobody in front of them. They're misfiring. They're not hitting the puck at all. Uh, they're you know putting it right into the goalie's chest. Um, they're hitting the skate, they're not getting a break, it's all the above. And, you know, last night they skated with the Penguins, and they skated hard with the Penguins, pumped 41 shots on goal. Uh They made two egregious mistakes behind the net, Uh and, you know, the Penguins are going to do what the Penguins do as a two-time Stanley Cup champion only uh, 18 months ago. They're going to do what they're going to do. So I think think Fenton is, is really seeing that. You know, he he came into this. I'm, I only need to tweak. I'm going to sit down and evaluate. Yep. And I think he's evaluated enough. And I think you may see a team pretty active at the trade deadline.
3: How long is Dumba done done for now with the uh, upper body injury that, that he sustained a week ago against Calgary? And I know that he uh, they announced today he's going to require surgery. Do we think he's done? For uh, for yeah. the season, or or back back in March, for instance.
1: I mean, they haven't ruled him out for the season, but they were again fairly. You know, Paul Fenton plays a lot of injury news close to the vest, and he basically said today, "I wasn't there when he said it," but I've read the the, the stories on it that he's going to miss significant time. Now, define significant? I mean, we're forty games into this, forty yep. percent into the season, thirty five games or so. Correct. Um, significant to me means, yeah, maybe March. You might try to get him back. I mean, there's a lot of speculation out there what it is. Um, it's upper body. I think you know most people can kind of draw their own conclusions. If you're having surgery, it's not going to be on his brain, uh, <laughs> and it's, what and I it's not going to be on his leg. So yep. uh, you know, you, other than abdominal, I mean, let's narrow it down. I mean, everybody's got two of them, and that's what they shoot the puck with. So um, I just think it's it's and it's another example of them being snake bitten in some ways because Dumba's having a career season. Twelve goals led all defensemen in scoring. Uh, I think his power play goals led all uh, defensemen in scoring. He's a weapon back there. he's still a little bit of a loose cannon on defense, but you know paired with Ryan Souter, he could get away with some things, mm-hmm. and they're missing that now, and they need it badly.
3: Help me out here. It is almost two thousand nineteen. Why do we still and hockey's my sport, I love it, Murph, but why do we still go with upper body? And, and as you said, it's not, this one's not di- difficult to try and deduct what's wrong with Dumba. And what really gets me about Fenton's stance is he claims he's protecting the player. Matthew Dumba's not going to play for months now. Like if he was playing tomorrow night, I sort of might get that, right? And, and that was the playoff strategy in days of old. But Matthew Dumba's not going to play for months. Just come out and say, it's the shoulder, he's having right. surgery to repair this. Like, this is so, it's so dumb, and, and hockey continues to act like this is, their rule makes sense. It makes no sense.
1: Well, there's a huge credibility gap, because it's, a, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm watching, Miko uh, Koivu. Yes. Everybody saw Miko Koivu take a knee-on-knee hit yes. from Mark Giordano, right? Um, it, you know, he's wearing a knee brace in the locker room. Uh, Does anybody not believe he has a knee injury? (laughs) I mean, lower body, he has a knee injury. If a guy's standing in front of the net and he gets hit in the face with a slap shot and he comes back the next day and his jaw's wired shut, are we calling that an upper body or are we calling it a broken jaw? Right. I mean, you you know, it's an old-school philosophy that the NHL is a predatory league and any edge you can get on an opponent, especially something that may have to do with a healing injury or a painful injury, can be exploited. Well, I mean, there's instances where, okay, maybe if he's got a broken finger, you can tap him on the gloves a little bit. If you know he's got a knee, you can slash him a bit, but you might get called for something. You can't target muscles. You know, you can't target right. ligaments. Right. You know, you can't target soft tissue. So, you know, in some, in most cases, it does not harm the player for the information to be out there. Look, if there's a predatory league on this planet, we know it's the National Football League. Correct. And we know it's, we know it's because of gambling interests. I get it but they have the most transparent injury policy in pro sports because they are forced to uh, disclose the, the anatomy of the injury, their status for the next game. And that's, that's a, you know, at three days a week, everybody out there at Tria is writing this. Mm-hmm. It's a major storyline. Mm-hmm. Hockey should be the same way. It's a, it's a contact sport, um, but there's no reason. It just sort of, it bled about 10 years ago, it bled from the playoffs into the regular season. And there are certain coaches and certain teams that are more transparent than others, and Paul Sutton has made it a point to be not transparent at all when it comes to wild injuries.
3: Yeah, and, Everybody. and if Dumbo is going to come back at some point here soon, I sort of might get it, but he's not. So just announce it. It's just not that hard. It's just... It, it drives me nuts because it's just so dumb, and, and these executives act like, oh, we can't tell you because we're, we're concerned about him. Well, no, it makes no sense. So and then you end up
1: point. having reporters dig deeper. You yes. have them speculating. You have everybody guessing. Look, I've heard through the grapevine that Dumba's walking around in a slate. So it's not like he's on right. a planet where there's no other people right. that are going to alert people that what's going on. I think Fenton's more paranoid about leaks. Um, but as far as I'm concerned, if I see Mikko Koival in the locker room with a knee brace on, and he just came back from having a knee-on-knee hit yep. after missing four games, he's got a knee injury.
3: <laughs> and and la- and last point, too, and, and this is what gets me. You know how many players in this league n- know each other and were teammates in, like, juniors or college, right? So if the next time Dumbuck steps on the ice and they're playing, like, St. Louis— you really think it's hard for a blues player to find out it's the easiest thing the people that don't know are like us and we're not going to target him so that's my last well, point and again
1: about that. the video video evidence of of the Giordano suspension yep. showed it was a knee on knee hit yep if if we write that it's a knee injury does that mean the next opponent is somehow going to magically discover it was a knee injury no they're plugged into the league and they know exactly and you also bring up a point too these guys know each other it's not there's a lot of fraternization that goes on both on the ice and between Dressing rooms, it seems like every night there's a wild player talking to somebody from the opposing team after the game. There's a lot more camaraderie. I don't feel like it's the predatory nature anymore. Um, it doesn't feel that way to me. It reminds me of an old story. If I got time, I want to tell you this. It's a Terry O'Reilly story. And yep. Don Cherry, Don Cherry t- used to tell it all the time on his show or in Hockey Night in Canada. One, Terry O'Reilly, big tough guy with the Bruins, he ended up checking some player. Into the glass head first, and he was laid out and knocked unconscious. And they had to bring a stretcher out and all that. And all the players are middling around. And I don't know who the Boston coach was or, or trainer or somebody at that time said, Hey, Terry, man, don't worry about it. I think uh, John's going to be okay. Riley looks over his shoulder and goes, I don't care if he dies. <laughs> now, that's not the attitude of the modern NHL. But in 1978, those players really did not care no, if they'd... their opponents died.
3: No, they didn't. That's terrible, but true. Um, so do do you have a. As things spiral in the wrong direction here, Murph, do you have a feeling that that this that this room has the ability to fracture, or is that not a concern right now?
1: I don't get that sense they're going to fracture because they're all struggling. It's not a matter of uh, you know offense versus defense, goaltending versus scores, muckers versus defensemen. I mean, I don't get it. They're, they're all collectively struggling. Yep. Um, and and I don't I don't get the sense that you know, they they tend to have a rally in them. We know that every season, right? Come March. There 'll be some valiant tries,
0: yes uh,
1: there 'll be some ten out of thirteen, and they may they may squeak into that last wild card spot. they may come a couple points short we 've seen this film before we 've seen it for the last eight years uh, it 's nothing new they don 't have enough finishers right now. Dubnik is up and down, they just lost their most productive defenseman I mean last year it was and Suter that were out, and then uh, they lose Jared Spurgeon for the playoffs, so they 're getting snake bit by injuries they can 't finish around the net and other teams are exploiting their weaknesses right now.
3: So you uh, are in D- Detroit, to, and you're, you're going to go to the Ford Field to cover Vikings-Lions on Sunday. Am I wrong? And this is incredibly probably dumb and weird. I if fr- From a Vikings standpoint, Murph, I'm not concerned. And I don't know if it's because I think Detroit has turned on Patricia. They're not that good. They're certainly banged up at this point. But in looking at this game, this is a game that Vikings fans and those of us who have chronicled this team for a long time probably should be concerned about. I can't muster up concern.
1: Well, the only thing I would say to that is something always weird happens in Lions-Vikings games, and a lot of weird stuff tends to happen at Ford Field. Um, if you remember that block field goal that was that was offside, almost literally turned a game around last year um, the Vikings lost on Thanksgiving Day two years ago on a late Sam Bradford pick. Um, there's just, you know, there's either a monster amount of sacks, um, there's a monster amount of penalties. Stafford can kind of pick and, you know, he, I remember he, Stafford brought them back, this was game was at U.S. Bank Stadium, brought them back down from, I don't know, after Walsh, you know, didn't kick the ball out of the end zone like he was told, and they had a return, I think. And Stafford made two quick strikes and they got into Prater's distance, they tied the game and then won it in overtime when Harrison Smith missed a tackle on Golden Tate. Yep, that never happens. Harrison Smith doesn't miss open field tackles like that, but it did against the Lions. This is an ultimate trap game. Everybody's saying every the, the, <laughs> the Vikings have gotten well. Stefanski's the, the hero. Uh, everything's the defense is playing phenomenal. Everybody's trucking. They're, they're relatively healthy. Not everybody. I know Kendricks is going to be out, but you know this. The, the Lions are mailing it in. You're right. They're done with Patricia. They haven't respected the process. It's going to be a you know a steamroll. I ain't buying that. I think it's you know I think the Lions. I'm not saying they're going to be that valiant, but I think the Vikings are you know they got to guard against playing down to their competition. They need these two games to get some momentum going into the playoffs, and they need Sunday to clinch.
3: The scary thing is, I know you're right, and for some reason, I still can't can't wrap my my head around the fact that Detroit is going to try that that hard, and I think it's Patricia. I think because my I'm convinced that they can't stand this guy. But it is weird because this is the exact type of game that Vikings fans have feared for a long time, and rightfully so, and it's the exact type of game that the Vikings go in and you think they're going to win by 20 and they lose by 10. So is this is
1: this ah. Jeff is Yeah, this I
3: know. Jeff That's I, I can't figure this out. I can't figure out why I I, mean, I know. Rainbows, rainbows and unicorns. That's so unlike you. I know it is, and I can't figure out the o- the only thing I'll go back to is this guy.
2: Um well, you know do me a favor, just kind of sit up and just like have a little respect for the process. Every day you come in and ask me questions and you just kind of like, you know, give me this. But I mean, just, like, just, just be a little respectful. Just I'm asking just to be a little respectful in this whole process, okay? So ask me a question professionally and I'll answer it for you.
3: Yet another Belichick assistant coach who proves to be overmatched trying to be a head coach in the National Football League.
1: Yeah, and that's you're right. He's got an unmotivated bunch of players right now, and that's the worst team to have. There's nothing worse than an NFL team with nothing to play for and laying it all out in the line. So it all it all lines up great for the Vikings, but I just would pump the brakes a little bit. I know. Bit say, it's the Lions. Some weird stuff always happens.
3: I know. I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out, and I, I'm too confident, which means it's bad news. So thanks, Murph. Appreciate it. Take care. Safe travels. All right. Thanks, Judd. All right. Brian Murphy of the Pioneer Press. Also check out his work. TwinCities.com covers the, the Wild on a daily basis for the Pioneer Press. Also going to be in Detroit to cover Vikings and Lions.
0: Uh, breaking news here before we break, and um, yeah, uh, Phil joins us at four. We got some uh, breaking Major League Baseball news right now. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers have traded Matt Kemp, mm-hmm. Yasiel Puig, mm-hmm. and Alex Wood to the Cincinnati Reds mm-hmm. for Homer Bailey and a couple of prospects. Really? Yes.
3: So Matt Kemp, Yasiel Puig, and Alex Wood. And, and Wood, who's a pitcher. Mm-hmm. For Homer Bailey, Homer Bailey, who's a pitcher,
0: yep, yep. and uh, going to the Dodgers shortstop Jeter Downs, who was a first round pick uh, in the 2017 draft, and right handed pitcher Josiah Gray, who was a second round pick uh, this past summer. Ooh, that's so a, a, pretty, that's a pretty prospect. That's a pretty big Bailey, trade he headed to the Dodgers. Is
3: Yasiel Puig going to be excited about the um, prospect of playing for the Redlegs? That's an interesting one.
0: Yeah, I
3: and I mean, know Cincinnati's got high hopes now. Like they're actually going to spend. They're going to try and uh, they're going to try, try and compete contend
0: and all that stuff. And now?
3: In, in that division, are they going? I mean, the Brewers are going to come back pretty strong. The Cubs spend. I don't know. That's interesting.
0: The Pirates always kind of hang Ma- around. Okay, a so bit. does
3: does Matt Kemp have much left? I know he had. He he, he went was okay worked, this past year, wasn't he? All star, and he yeah. went, and he went. If I am correct on this story, he went. He got fat. And last winter, he went and worked out, I think, with Torrey and got himself in great shape. Mm-hmm. Hunter. Had a good year. And had a good year, all-star year. But he's no kid. I yeah, wonder. Early 30s, I think. That side of the trade, to me, him, is an incredibly smart move. If you're the Dodgers, you get he comes back for a year. He's great. You trade him. That's smart. I wonder how Puig is going to take this, though. You I'm go from Los Angeles, from Hollywood, to yeah, Cincinnati, I mean, a, yeah, that's clears up some outfield space and some payroll for the Dodgers to go after a free agent outfielder that's sitting on the market right now. I don't know who you're talking about. Do you? Do you mean a certain guy who uh, who might live in Vegas, yeah, and is sitting I out so. there, yeah? Now that that makes perfect sense. But you know what? Good for the Reds. They're trying to do something, right? It might good, be all right. good for the Reds. They're trying to do something. All right, take a break. TCL Broadcast Studios, come back. Uh, Mackie joins the show next. Caller at 5 o'clock. Sage Rosenfels, as always, at uh, 515. Uh, Write that down straight ahead.
1: Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages.
0: That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've heard to date. On
1: 1500 ESPN.